And we're going to talk about making room for more. Making room for more. A lot of Christians don't realize they just wait for God to drop the more. Do you know it was the assignment from God to Elijah to anoint Elisha to take his place? Right? It was not in the heart of God to double the anointing on Elisha. It was in the heart of Elisha to get twice the anointing. The assignment was anoint Elisha to replace you. But when that started happening, Elisha says, I just don't want that. I want more. More is not greedy. More, more becomes greedy when you want what somebody else has. Oh, look what you got. I want what you have. Or, or I want more just to impress people. Or I want more because I'm, I want to look important. Then, then it gets weird. But when you understand the things of God, more is just not money. For Elisha, it was anointing. For others, it might be healing. For others, it might be an advancement to the next level of destiny. For others, it might be the answer to a problem that you've lived with. See, the problem, I think, the tactic of the enemy in our life is that if he can get us comfortable to accommodate the last war, or the last problem, or the last hang-up, or the last pit that we've fallen into, or the last prison the enemy's trying to entrap us, if we're not careful, the devil will get you to accommodate it to where you become comfortable with it, and you begin to live still for the Lord, but you live for the Lord. Turn this down in the monitors. I'm getting a ring. You you begin to live for the Lord, but you still live accommodating the problem that the enemy brought into your life. And now you're, you're, you're okay with it. Before you were terrified. You were uh, devastated by it. Now you're okay with it because you've learned to manage it within the confines of your routine. That's a dangerous place. Because actually we were saying, oh, this is what the devil brought in because he's come to John 10, 10 to steal, kill, and destroy. Am I talking to anybody today? You say, oh, he's brought in to steal, kill, and destroy. And I know he's taken and destroyed uh, that area of my life. I know he's maybe destroyed my credit and my finances. I know he's destroyed maybe your health or an area of your thinking. I know he's destroyed my peace, but you know, I'm learning to adapt and adjust and live with it. And nowhere in the Bible does it say that we're supposed to live with what the devil's trying to do to us. Can I get an amen? Can I get a better amen? Jesus said that, yeah, I mean, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And that word indeed literally means what the devil's used to entrap you before, God's crushed it never to be used against you before. We got to get out of the religion mindset. I, I'm not into religion. I define that as man's, man's uh, rules created by man to control people, manipulate. I believe in a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. And when you're, when you're hungry for the things of God, it's not a matter of I'm trying to be greedy. It's God, if you have it for me, Lord, if you paid for that, on the cross of Calvary. If that belongs to me, then I want to keep going. And we move through a stepping process. We walk by faith. We're led by the Spirit. It's a stepping process. We inherit everything, Hebrews tells us, 6.12, through faith and patience. So it's a process. And you can stop whatever level you want to stop in. Did you hear me? You can stop at whatever level you want to stop in. Malachi 3 says, put me to the test. Prove me now here with, say, the Lord of hosts. If I'm not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you that there's not room enough to contain it. Another, translations, God, another translation says, God is saying, I will pour out a blessing until you say, go ahead and stop. Enough. I don't want to believe for anymore. I don't want to take a risk anymore. I'm comfortable where I'm at. And a lot of Christians in the church world are, have been living comfortable and have told God, I'm putting a pause on it. Have you ever eaten those restaurants where you sit down and they give you a, a little piece of wood thing and one's green and one's red? And when it's on the green, the servers come every couple minutes and they're bringing you all this different meat? 
You've never been to one of these restaurants? Okay, I, 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 don't, I don't promote restaurants unless it's Chick-fil-A, so don't tell me the name of it, I know that. Come on, somebody. And every, every, every few minutes they come by and say, do you want this steak, or do you want this fish, or do you want this chicken? And you're like, oh yeah, and they'll give you a little bit, and then a few minutes later somebody else comes, and it's just a constant rotation. And eventually you're like, oh, I can't eat anymore. And they say, well, all you need to do is take that little that piece of wood and flip it over and make it red, which means stop, and they'll leave you alone. I'm telling you, I believe that some Christians are living life where they have it where the red side is showing, and they're telling God, I'm okay, I'm comfortable. Don't come by anymore. I don't need another touch. I don't need another experience. I don't need another advancement. I don't need another uh, wisdom. I don't need another revelation. God, what I've experienced has been good. I've enjoyed it, but now I've turned on the red side. And I believe we're going to open up by the truth of revelation from the Spirit of God. Are you listening to me today? We haven't come to teach. We've come to preach. I'm not just wanting to inform you. We want to impart something. I want some, a desire on the inside of you when you walk away that you might not know everything. Nobody does. You might not have everything. Nobody does. You might not be perfect in every area. Nobody is but Jesus. But one thing you know, you're going to leave in today. We're going to turn that little thing around and say no longer red stuff. We're putting it on say, Jesus, if you have it for me, God, if it's in your will, Lord, if your word says it, your word tells us that the promises of God are yea and amen. And if that's so be it, and so be it to me. Mary said, be it unto me according to your word, which means, God, if you say it, I want it. Peter said, if that's you, Lord, call me out because I want to walk on water. I might not get it right every time, but I want you to call me out. I just need to know what's available to me, God. I'm tired of letting religion and people and, and, and ideology create a boundary in, in my mindset, in my perspective that is not in alignment with the Word of God. Are you listening to me today? We have to move beyond. I know they told you you can't. I know the doctor said it'll never happen. I know they said it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. I know we're going to turn our faith on today and begin to believe that what God said is for us. If he says you're the head, you're the head and not the tail. If he says you're the heel to the Lord, you're going to begin to say, I'm going to flip this thing around and I'm going to believe. And there's some things you need to do. There's some things you don't need to do. God's not asking you to go in the kitchen and cook some steak. He's saying, just turn it over and let me bring it to you. Just begin to believe that you receive. Mark 11, 23, 24. Are you listening to me? Say, I'm believing for more. Now, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I just need a little more just so I can get a nicer car. God doesn't mind you having a nicer car. But if all it is is to make you more comfortable, you're missing out on what is God plan for your more. It's got to be more not just to make you feel good or look good or people talk good about you. Because if that's your goal, just the moment you get there, five minutes later, the people you thought would be supporting you have turned against you. And you're like, oh, what have I done? But when you understand the purpose of the more, it's not for you. It's for God to not only work in you, but through you. Because there's somebody else behind you on the journey of life that needs to know that the Jesus you talk about, the Jesus you pray about, the Jesus you, you're going to church to celebrate, that he is alive. There's people at your work that don't believe in God, but they know you do. And they need to know the wait a minute, I need to see it now. They're in the fire. Let's see what happens. They're, they're in the lion's tent. Let's see what happens. And as you begin to say, wait a minute, though the enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy, he's not coming. He's not going to end winning because Jesus said, 
I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And when you walk out of that pit, when you walk out of that fire, not smelling like smoke, they're going to know all thanks be unto God who causes you to triumph through Christ. Can I get a praise if you believe that? Come on, let's stir ourselves up. The Bible tells us that you can be an aroma. The aroma of his goodness wherever you go. Spreading the knowledge. Well, I don't know if I agree with that. That's fine. Then sit there and smile. And we'll love you and you love us. But I'm telling you that I believe I'm talking to a few people that say, I am thankful. I am grateful what God has done. But I know this is not the end. I know this is not the completion. I know if there's a stronger anointing. Elisha said, I want more. I want twice of what you got. God didn't tell Elijah. Now go find Elisha. Put him in your place and give him twice what you have. It was the heart desire of Elisha to say, I accept what you're bringing into my life, but I don't want to stop with what you've said. God, I'm telling you, there's something powerful about that. When the woman came to Jesus and said, listen, I need some healing, and Jesus said, do I cast the bread of the children to the dogs? She could have been offended. She could have walked away. It was not within, she was not in a covenant with God. She was not part of the Jewish tribe. She was not of Israel. She had no covenant to the right of who God was as Jehovah Rapha, her healer. But all of a sudden she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs receive the crumbs that fall from the master's table. There's something that says, listen, I know what they tell me in doctrine it's not mine, but your word says it's available to me. I know that people are telling me I should just quit, give up, live with it, accommodate, and the devil will mess with your mind and begin to say, well, God, he does some things, but he can't do everything. He works in that area, but he can't work in your area. Just begin to work and do the best you can with the ability, and you should do the the best you can within your ability but don't leave God out we need to make room for God and when we make room for God we are making room for more see I'm making room for more now increase will come in all different areas but the more is not the money the more is not the the, the pleasure the more is not the joy the more is God is saying God I'm gonna make room for you in my situation I'm going to make room for more. I'm making room for God in this marriage. I'm going to make room for God in my children's life. I'm tired of listening to the, the educational system telling me that they're not going to do anything. I'm tired of hearing the legal department tell me that they're going to end up in prison. I refuse to believe that. I'm going to begin to say, as far as me as my house, we will serve the Lord. I know it doesn't look good in the natural, but I know I have some light that didn't come from the natural. I have light that came from the realm of the spirit. I, can't, I have light that comes from the word of God. Isaiah 60, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen. The glory doesn't rise, and you can't rise until you get light. Psalms 119, and the entrance of his word, the unfolding of his word, one translation says, and the entrance of its word brings light. It gives understanding to the simple. That means you don't have to be super bright. You don't have to have a high ACT score. You don't have to have a doctrine. All you need is a hunger. And God, I might not understand and process it with my mind but you can make it clear to me in my level of understanding oh god open my mind open my understanding show me make it clear to me oh god make it clear to me so that i can have light and when i get light i'm gonna stand and i'm gonna see the glory of god in my life because this generation every generation has a right to see the glory of god every generation has a right to see the glory of God.
church. Hallelujah. So I'm making room for more. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We worship you. We honor you. Open our eyes, our ears, our heart to receive from you. We praise you, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you are the limit buster, the boundary destroyer. We look to you, not to our own ability. As we speak your word today, let it not be my words, but let it be your words. Activated by your word and the Holy Spirit. Imparted into our life. Giving hope to every person. We trust you. We look to you. We give you praise. And everyone shouted. Amen. Come on, give them a praise real quick. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 25. The woman with the issue of blood. Have you heard this story? And a certain woman which had an issue of blood for 12 years had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but, but rather grew worse. Verse 27, and when she had heard of Jesus, she came into the press behind and touched his garment for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be made whole. Now in this translation, King James says, touch his clothes. Other, trans other gospels saying, if I can touch the hem of his garment. Verse 29, and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately, say immediately. immediately. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, you see the multitude thronging us, and you're saying, who touched me? And he looked around to see her that was done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all of the truth. And he said unto her, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Hallelujah. What are you expecting? This, this idea, this thought, this principle is applicable actually in every realm, business, life, but it's also even greater within the context of the church. When we come to Sunday morning, what are we expecting? When we go to special meetings, what are we expecting? A lot of us go through the, the, the routine of it and the motion of it, but we're not expecting anything from it. And if you're not expecting anything, you know what you get? Nothing. But when you walk in saying, God, I'm going to expect something. I'm going to church Sunday. Then there's been times in my life uh, that I just needed a touch from God, and I went to church before I was even a pastor, and I went to church or I'm in a special meeting, and my mind was, God, I'm going to experience you today. I don't care what the preacher is preaching. I don't care what the singers are singing. I, those things are just secondary to me because my primary thing is I'm coming to experience you. I'm going to push in. I'm going to press in. I am going because I need this from you. I don't know what you're needing. I don't know what you're expecting, but let me encourage you. Let's begin to expect some big things from God. What are we expecting? Hebrews 11 tells us the Amplified. Now faith is a the assurance, the title D, the confirmation, amplified translation of faith is the assurance, the title D, the confirmation of things hoped for. Say hope for. 
which is divinely guaranteed, at the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of the reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So what are we expecting? You could say it this way. Expectation is also hope. What are you hoping for? Not what you see, not what you think is probable, but what you know is possible by God that is legally yours because of the cross of Jesus. When this woman with the issue of blood, she had heard about Jesus, and she said within herself, if I can touch the hem of his garment. Now, in our translation, and we've talked about this before, but to me it's so, so amazing that we're going to keep repeating it because faith doesn't come in, Faith doesn't come by hearing, but by hearing and hearing and hearing, Romans 10, 17. Oh, I heard that before. Well, good. Let's hear it again. We need to keep hearing it and keep hearing it and keep hearing it and keep hearing it. I mean, there's some messages I listen from other men of God. They're my mentors. And some of them I've listened to literally hundreds of times. Man, it's like a great steak. You don't take one bite and swallow. You got to chew on that for a while and enjoy and get everything out of it. I know some of you, all you do is eat cold fries from White Castles and, and you can probably bite once and it dissolves and swallow and you'll be good. But, but good food, solid food, you don't just swallow. Even if you try to blend it, it's not gonna be good. She heard of Jesus, verse 27, back to the woman with the issue of blood. And came and pressed behind and touched his garment. Touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. What was she expecting? Wholeness. She went in with an expectation. If I can get to Jesus. If I can get to Jesus. She was facing obstacles. Once she'd been been bleeding so her iron count and the natural practical would be low which means her energy would be low secondly legally in their their system because she was bleeding if she she was considered unclean and so if she went through and touched people she would make them unclean and if she made them unclean and they saw then they literally had a right to stone hers she was risking it we want everything convenient and comfortable convenient comfortable and in our control but something within you can get to a place of saying, God, I need something. I'm going to begin to believe for you to do something that doesn't seem possible. Maybe you've never heard of anybody experiencing that from God. Maybe the doctor said, no one has ever recovered. My answer would be, there's always got to be a first. We have learned to adopt everything that happens in the natural and never bring in room for God, the spiritual. I know they say it's impossible. I know they say that that kid's long gone and never will recover and is an addict and will probably die an addict in the streets. But if you're a praying mom, you're a believing dad, you're going to say that might be for everybody else. But I know a power that's greater than the power of that drug. Come on, somebody. So make room for more. She heard, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. What are you expecting? I will be made whole. 
You need to come into services. Well, what if it don't happen? You know, it, it's like one of those things. It, it, if I read the Bible, what if I don't get any truth or revelation? Well, if you don't read the Bible, you'll never get any truth or revelation. You might not get truth and revelation every time you read the Bible, but reading the Bible is what enables you, positions you to get, receive truth and revelation. Amen. Well, what if I hope and believe and it doesn't happen? Well, then you keep hoping and believing because if you don't hope and believe, you're guaranteed never to see any change. And in the journey of the process, because of patience, sometimes we'll learn. Oh, I need to readjust this. But having a desire, God, I want more. I'm going to make room for you. I want more of your anointing. I want more of God in this situation. She had heard of Jesus, came in and pressed behind and touched the hem of his garment. What are we expecting for? What do we want it might be wisdom, it might be favor, it might be healing, it might be a, a better job, it might be a better career, it might be uh, whatever, a marriage, children, whatever. What are you believing for? Because I'm not isolating one specific area. I'm trying to open up so we begin to flip that switch and say, wait a minute, I'm going to start believing God. He's not done with me yet. He's not done. Say, he's not done with me. <laughs> I remember years ago, I've shared this before, the, uh, and probably about 20 years ago, I was senior pastor of the church, and the church was going through some financial st struggles, you can say. And I wasn't angry, I wasn't bitter, but, you know, I started getting a little snarky, for lack of a better phrase, a little critical. And I noticed the attitude come out in sly little words, in conversations. You know, most of us think it's all about in those controlled environments of us controlling it. No, those, when you're speaking the word and confessing the word, you're hearing the word. You're sharpening and feeding your spirit. But the, the real thing's happening, not in just in that moment, but it's in that routine where you're not in control of the moment and you find someone says, hey, how's it going? And you say, oh, it's been so hard. Oh, I'm getting worse. And we begin to see with our mouth everything that we're feeling. Though in our quiet time, we'll say, oh, I'm the healed of the Lord. I am blessed. And, but you get out in the, in the world and someone says, man, look at the price of gas. I know it's so expensive. I don't know what I'm going to do. Come on. <laughs> Stay with me. I know no, nobody here has ever done that. You're in your prayer, room, prayer closet. You're praying, Lord, I thank you. You're going to heal my marriage. It's going to be a great marriage. You're doing a work on me and my spouse and my family. And you get out with your friends and, man, how's that marriage going? Oh, he's just such a jerk. <laughs> out of the abundance of the heart, Jesus said the mouth. Are you listening to me? It's, we have to have those times in our prayer time, in our worship time, in our devotional time, in our reading time, in our memorizing the scriptures, in our speaking the word. These are important, but we have to keep doing it because the goal is to get it so into our heart that it begins to change what is coming out of our mouth. Just not in the moment, but in the routine of life. David said, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high. Have you read this? Shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I will say of, he didn't say, I will say to the Lord. 
He didn't say, I will say to the Lord, you are my refuge. He said, I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. See, when you spend time with God, when you spend time in, in the word of God, you get to the place where it begins to change your attitude of what you're saying. And you begin to walk around not just saying to God in prayer, oh God, this is my controlled environment. I'm really cautious of what I'm saying and how I'm acting. But the question is, what are you doing when you move out of that space in the routine? Because that's the real you. Have you ever noticed people can act a certain way when they're around you, but you want to know when they're not around you, what are they really saying? And because if they are different, your, your natural reaction is what they're saying when I'm not around means more to them than what they are saying when they know I'm listening. But God hears everything. I will say of the Lord. That means when I'm walking a bit, someone says, man, how, how are you feeling? You, you don't just say how you're feeling. You begin to say, he is my healer. Oh, so you're still sick? He is my redeemer. Oh, I, I saw a lot of bills coming out of that mailbox. He is my Jehovah Jireh. I'm going to say what he is. Not when I'm feeling, not when I'm seeing, because Romans says that if you see it, why do you even have to have hope or faith for it? You're not moved by what we feel, hear, or see. Are you listening to me today? I want to encourage you that when we flip this switch over, we're not going to be sitting around and saying, God, I want you to bless me. Or God, I want more of you. Lord, I need more of your power in this area. And then you walk around and tell everybody what the doctor said. The doctor knows what he says. You know what the doctor says. But I'm telling you that there is a greater physician in the house. And the greater physician can say something totally different and you begin to say I know people what the doctors say which doctor the one that's say there's a greater physician I will say of the Lord I want to encourage you when we begin to look we begin to expect more Expect something great from God. Expect something great from God. We tend to expect something great from God when the situation's right, when the elements all line up. Have you ever ordered anything and the delivery shows up? You might have, you know, I have these sensors around my house, and if someone pulls up or knocks, you know, hits the doorbell, it pops on my phone, I can see it's recorded. And you're like, who is that? Oh, that's. XYZ company. That's Amazon. That's FedEx. That's UPS. That's the package I ordered. Do you know what? When the package comes, you know what I don't care? I do not care what truck they're driving. Have you noticed some have a truck with their name on it? Nowadays, some, you know, I mean, some of them don't even have trucks. They just use their cars. You know what I don't care? I don't care the person who brings it to me. Sometimes it's a guy. Sometimes it's a woman. Sometimes they're tall. Sometimes they're short. Sometimes they're fat. Sometimes they're skinny. Are you listening to me? I don't get caught up, caught up with the method. My focus is on the package. We can get so caught up 
in the natural that we are looking at the method. We are looking at the, pre, the people. We are looking at the system. We are looking at the timing. And God said, listen, you got to look beyond that. When I'm sending something, I'm going to use people. The Bible says, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men bring it to you. God will use some people. And it's okay. God will use people that look like you. God will use people that don't look like you. God will use, listen, people that like you. And he'll even use people that do not like you. But all you care about is God's bringing me something today. Someone's bringing me, someone sent me a gift. Someone, it might be a relative out of town just saying I was thinking about you. But it don't matter. All I know is there's a gift coming. I have more in store. Are you listening? We're going to make room for more. And we don't care about the method. We care about the miracle. Not the method, but the miracle. We're not getting caught up in what they look like or sound like. We want God. It's, if it lines up with the word of God and God's saying here it is, then I'm in, I'm in alignment with it. I don't care. I don't have to live with the person. I don't have to like the person. I don't have to hang out with the person. But when they bring me... I'm telling you, one of the things, I, if you look at the little boy's lunch that was multiplied, I believe it was 12 baskets because it took God saying, I'm not only going to do the miracle, but I'm going to send back this miracle because the process of sowing and reaping, what you have sown, you shall reap. And I believe God said to the little boy, I don't believe those 12 baskets went home with the disciples, although the Bible says the disciples each had to carry one. I believe God said, I'm going to use every disciple to take back to the little boy. Why? Because number one, the little boy had a right to expect what he it's sown, he's going to reap. Number two, I think it's the humor of God saying, I'm going to use people that didn't believe it was possible. I'm going to let that doctor tell you you're healed. And so I could shake my head. I don't know why that worked that way. So I'm going to believe for more. <laughs> Hebrews 11, 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I'm expecting something great. She said within herself, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. What was her expectation? Wholeness. What was her instruction? Touch the hem. The hem, in closing, the hem was not what we call the hem of our clothes. That word is used also in the Old Testament in the Hebrew. And this is where they got it because this is not the only time that people would touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Many people did. It's in the scriptures. Look it up. Some I read, some I quote, some I just give reference, and you have to look it up. Why? Because I'm not your mom. I'm not your mother bird, and you're the baby bird yapping to get something, and everything's fed to you. I want you to challenge and look it up. But in the Old Testament, in the prophecy of the Messiah, it said that he, he would come, son of righteousness, and he would have healing in his wings. We think of bird wings, but literally the word that was used is the same word referring to the hymn. What was that hymn? It was a part of the prayer shawl that they would wear. When Jesus said, go into your prayer closet, he wasn't saying going into a room. They would literally take that and wrap it around so that what they see in the natural would not be blocked so they can focus on the supernatural. Mm. And they would, when they would wrap it, they, one of the things they do is they take a step back and then they take a step forward again as a way of saying, God, I'm stepping into what you have for me. And on, the, on that garment, 
which represents righteousness, right standing with God, were knots, strings. And those strings, knots, represented acts of obedience to the law. Jesus didn't operate under the New Testament, even though it's described in the New Testament. He operated under the Old Testament. He said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. So what he was doing was under the alignment of the Old Covenant. And so he would have knots from the strings on the edge of his prayer, shawl, right, right, representing righteousness, and it would represent his acts of obedience. So she said, because there was a prophecy, if he's the Messiah, she had heard, if he's the Messiah, then I'm going to touch what the word of God says if I touch, that there's healing. Why would there be healing? Because under Deuteronomy, under the Levitical law, if you obeyed God, there was a lot of blessings. If you disobeyed God, there was a lot of curses. Jesus said, I have not come to do my will, but the will of the Father. The words I speak are not my words, but the Father's. The things I do are not me doing them. I see the Father doing them, and I'm just following through. It's the Father doing the work. He was in complete alignment with the Father to the point he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Have you not been with me so long that you don't understand? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father? Hebrews says he is the expressed image of the visible, expressed image of the invisible God. Too many times people try to judge the heart of our Heavenly Father based on Old Testament characters. You want to see the heart of your Father? Look to the light of the sun. Oh, God, put sickness on people. God didn't put sickness on. Show me a scripture where Jesus walked up to somebody, laid his hands or spoke a word, and they got sick and died. You can't find it. Jesus didn't say, well, you've been serving me so long. I'm going to make you a disciple and follow me. And I'm going just to get some glory now because I'm, I'm short on I'm going to give you leprosy. You can thank me anytime. Thank you for that. Religion has made us look, make God out to be so evil. But Jesus said there is none good but one, and that's God. And she said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. That was her expectation. That was her hope. But her miracle wasn't until she could make contact with the hymn, contact with those strings. Literally saying, if I can touch his obedience. I'm talking to somebody now. I'm looking down because I don't know anybody in my mind, but I'm going to look down so no one thinks I'm talking. If I can touch his obedience. Because when you begin to believe for more, you know what the devil tells you? Is you don't deserve it. You haven't earned it. You're not qualified for it. And it's not a matter of world of, uh, in, in a world system of being qualified or purchasing or being justified by it. It's a matter of saying, if I can touch what he has done. If I can touch the hem of his garment. If I can touch, see, that's where the Bible tells us because of the blood of Jesus that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, which means it's not about you. You are saved by grace through faith. What is that grace? What he has done. What he has done. What he has done. If I can make contact with what he has done, when I reach out and make contact with his action, I'm saying, I know who you are. I know who you are. People around you might see you as a food multiplier. Some might see you as a great teacher. Some people might see you as just as an obstacle to their own problem and destiny. But I know who you are. You are the Messiah. And I'm going towards you because I know who you are. 
if I can touch you because I know who you are. She would never have done it without a revelation that he was the Messiah. We strive out to go to church and to be in God's presence for so many different reasons. But when you understand who he is by the revealed word of God, I'm going in that because I feel it. She did not feel anything. She was exhausted. I'm not going because it's convenient. She was throwing everything to the wind. She had a right to die. Legally, she had a right to die. But something on the inside said, I'm not going to just let the lost and the legal system keep me from my worship. I'm not going to let people keep me from my worship. I'm not going to let a disease keep me from my worship. I'm pressing in because I need to touch someone that I cannot be. I cannot do, but I know he can. And she touched the hem of his garment. And when she did, she wasn't trying to get, she was not trying to get attention. She was not trying to get his attention. She came from the back. She was trying to sneak in. It wasn't trying to get everybody to look at you. It's not, I'm not wanting the limelight. I'm not wanting attention. I don't want people to look at me. It's not about me. I'm going to come through the backside and I'm going to push through because I know if I can get to Jesus, if I can touch what he's done, if I can hook in and say, Lord, I know you're the Messiah and I'm doing it and I'm pressing in and grabbing because I can say I'm receiving from your obedience into my body. If you believe that, get 10 seconds and give him a preach. I believe it. You're the Messiah. You're the healer. You're the deliverer. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by your spirit. It's not by my emotions and not by my convenience. It's by your power. I believe it, and I'm going to touch your obedience. So when the devil says, you don't deserve it. You can say, you got it wrong. It's not about me. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Doesn't the word of God say, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I'm going to look to Jesus. What has he done? It's not what have I done. And there, faith without works is dead. I get that. But we're talking about the qualifying of the right of you having what belongs to you, purchased by the cross of Calvary. You don't deserve to be saved. Most people agree with that. You, but most people adopt, well, you know, I'm saved. You are saved, but not because you deserve it. And the same blood that purchased your salvation is the same blood that purchased your healing. First Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes you were healed. Matthew 15.26 says, says, healing belongs to you as a covenant child. Psalms 103 verse 3b tells us that he is the God who heals you of all diseases. Are you listening to me today? I got to get my eyes onto what the Word of God says Jesus has done. Because salvation not only encompasses my forgiveness of going to heaven, it encompasses your healing. It encompasses your blessing. It encompasses your peace. What is it? It encompasses everything. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the all-sufficient one. He is everything. And when you begin, begin to look at the Word and say, God, I'm going to look at this and that. What do I see that I can do for myself? But I'm going to press in because it's not about me doing it for me. It's me pushing in to receive what you did for me. Why do I want to encourage you to make room for more? Because there is so much more. Say, there's so much more. For all of us. More for us to learn. More for us to experience. More for us to do. More people for us to help. 
more things that God wants to bring into our life for us to have. There's just more. But it's not trying to get there the way the world gets there. It's learning to say, Lord, I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to make room for more. Next week, we're going to end with how to change that expectation. You're like, Pastor, I don't expect anything greater. Maybe you're one of the people that down the road, you're going to be a history maker in your family. Every family, every generation has people that breaks the barrier. But maybe if you're sitting here saying, I don't have any, I'm not encouraged by this because you know what? I don't, I don't see my life being any different. I don't have more. I've never seen anybody do more. Everything is always at this level. It's generation after generation. And that might be the case for you right now. But that's not the case for you in God. For what you cannot do in your own ability, God can do through you. Some of the greatest movies about people's lives are ones where it seemed like they could never make it and somehow they make it. Now they take God out of the factor and I guarantee you God's going to be an ingredient in that mix. But they take that out for movies. But it, the reality is, you might say, I can never, I don't see it. Well, we're going to talk about that next Sunday. How to begin to expect what we need to do to see our expectations change. Because if you don't believe for more, faith is the substance of things hoped for. We receive our inheritance through faith and patience, Hebrews 6.12. So without faith you can't receive and without hope you can't have faith but I'm here to tell you that God's a big God God's a big God look to your neighbor saying I'm believing for more I'm making room for more again it was not the instruction from heaven for Elijah to anoint Elisha and give him double. It was the instruction, put Elisha in your place. But it was the heart of Elisha saying, okay, but I want twice what you have. I'm believing God's getting ready to do something in these last days. God is getting ready to do something in the last days. You know, the scripture says that in the last, he's going to send the former rain and the latter rain at the same time. We know that rain represents the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a flow of the, the anointing. But it also has a practical reason. I'm trying to close, but listen. Historically, the former and the latter rain for the, for the Jews was something totally different. It represented two seasons of rain with two distinct purposes. When they would sow their seed into the ground, they needed the former, the first rain to come because the seed would never be germinated to produce fruit without the rain. The Bible says that the word of God was not mixed with faith, therefore didn't produce anything in their life. We need the Holy Spirit to take the word of God and make it alive to us. And so the rain would come so that the crop, could, the seeds in the ground could begin to germinate and begin to activate to do what they were called and designed to do. And then that plant would start growing and eventually the fruit would start developing. 
And at the near the end before the harvest, there was something that had to happen to bring the fruit to fullness. Have you ever gone to the grocery store and got some bananas and they were green? They harvested them before they were ready. Now, the reason they do that is because of the system and having to transport and they spray them and do all that. But before all that, you don't want to harvest too early, not too late, and not too early. So when the fruit is visible but yet full, stay with me, church, I'm closing. God would send a second rain. And the purpose of the second rain would be like a, an energy boost. It would cause the fruit to go from almost completed to fully ripe and ready. What was the purpose? It, the latter rain was making it ready to be harvested by the owner. There's coming a day, I believe in our lifetime, where we'll see the former rain and the latter rain. And God will do what the Bible says is a quick work. And what he starts, it's just the revelation. He'll begin to produce the fruit, not just the evidence of it, but the fullness of it. Because he's ready to harvest the earth. He is ready. He's waiting. The Bible says he's, he's not, he's long-suffering. He's waiting till the time of the Gentiles come in. He's waiting. But I'm telling you, the last, when we get into the last days, we're going to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that brings the awakening and another outpouring immediately with it, the former and the latter rain simultaneously that will awaken and bring the fullness of it quickly. You think that's crazy? The Bible says that he'll answer before we even ask. That the reapers, the reapers, the harvesters, will overtake the plowers, which means the people that are preparing the land. We're making room. We're going to prepare the land to make room. But there's coming a day that as we're making room, it's going to happen already. We'll look behind and say, wow, I, I just sowed that seed, and look at that harvest. I just did that obedience. Look at the results. I just... I... He's coming. He's coming. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? If you're here today, do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not asking if you know about God. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm asking you this one question. Is Jesus Christ real to you in a way that you know for yourself that he's real and your Lord and Savior? No one looking around, every head bowed and every eye closed. You say, Pastor, I don't have a real relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've been a part the church world and just thought it was a bunch of rules and religion. No, it's a real relationship. Or maybe this is the first time you've heard the gospel that God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus Christ who was without sin in the flesh, died on a cross for our sins, was buried for us and on the third day rose again so that you could be saved. Your sins can be forgiven. Your guilt washed away. Condemnation removed. Heaven, your destination hell no longer a part of your life. When you lay your head on your pillow tonight, if you don't know him, in this moment, you'll either, when you lay your head on your pillow tonight, you'll either be laying it down saying, man, I wish I would have given my heart to God and my life is still such a wreck. Or you'll be like, I have such peace and joy. I feel like I'm a brand new person. And the Bible says you are. You're a new creation when you get saved. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here and say, Pastor, 
I, I don't think I have a real relationship with Jesus. Or maybe I prayed the prayer and I'm not for sure. If any of those three are you, at the count of three, I want to lead you in the prayer. Let this prayer come from your heart. Say with me. Heavenly Father, I turn to you today. I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That he came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me. And on the third day, rose again for me. Because I believe that, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart. Wash me in your blood. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Give me a fresh start. Say, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship with you. So I open my heart. I open up my life. And I invite you to come in. Wash me in your blood. Be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Amen. And everybody said, now if you prayed that prayer, real quickly, just so I know who I was praying with, and I'm going to speak a blessing over your life, regardless of who you are, first time or you've done this before, at the count of three, I want you to just lift your hand so I know who I was praying with. Say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer with you, and I meant business. One, two, three, if that's you, raise your hand. God bless you. Second hand, third hand, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Anybody in the center? Come on. Over here to my right. Anybody over here to my right? Come on, keep your hands raised. Father, in the name of Jesus. Now the Holy Spirit told me, wait, there's somebody over here that you didn't raise your hands, you know. Here's what we're going to do. If you, if you mean business, because I believe there's a tenacity, and you prayed the prayer, I want you to not just raise your hands, I want you to stand to your feet so I can see exactly who I'm dealing with. Come on. Come on. Who's over here? That's it. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Stretch your hands toward him. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for every person standing here that represents a soul that's saved. We thank you that today is a new day. Behold, all things are new. They're washed by your precious blood. They're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray and ask that you give them strength, tenacity. Strengthen them by your power, by your spirit in their inner person. So that as they walk from here today, they know that they're not the same. And they'll be able to stand against temptation. And they'll be able to stand for you. To live for you. We give you praise. And everyone shouted, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. God bless you. Big group. Big group. Wonderful.